podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, as well as Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, and UCF. My name is Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us. We are back again for a weekly episode until things get started. It is August 1st when this is coming out. It is the beginning of August. There is no longer a month without college football. Now, technically, the Big 12 doesn't start until September, but Week Zero exists, and I am the kind of sicko who will watch Notre Dame, or I'm sorry, uh, Nebraska, and I think Illinois, Northwestern, sorry. I don't even care. There's two Big Ten teams playing in Ireland. Isn't it like I'm Northwestern and Illinois or something like that? I think it's North, Nebraska is one of the games. Team. So it's Nebraska and Northwestern. Nebraska and Northwestern. I'm excited. I don't care. We're going to watch it. That other voice you heard, you know him if you've listened to the show before. If you have not, he is one of my usual co-hosts. That is Rock Chalk podcast host himself, Andy Mitz. Hey, yeah, it's great to be here. Obviously, I had to be here for this special occasion. Um, look, beginning of August, it's... I'm super excited about where we are as a network and where we are now potentially as a conference going into all of the crazy stuff that is going to happen for this year and then getting ready to welcome in all these new teams next year. I mean, it's a big day. It's a big month. For the Big 12, Brett Yormark officially takes over as the commissioner of the Big 12 conference today, August 1st, big day. Uh, Later this week, the Pac-12 exclusive negotiating window with Fox and ESPN will end. That is on August 4th. And based off of everything George Klyovkov had to say at Pac-12 Media Days, and based off what we're seeing from reports, including from Jason Shear, who covers Arizona uh, for 247, and from everything we've gathered, we know Fox isn't interested and ESPN is lowballing them. So there's not going to be a deal done. So this whole thing is going to continue. Fall camps are going to be getting underway for the season to start. And today is a big day for us here at the 1012 Network because it's one year. The network is now one year old. It's our first birthday. We're going to eat cake with our hands and smear it on our face. And everyone's going to laugh and take photos. We are one year, year, not years, because it's only one, year old. And I am I am thrilled. 
I am excited. That's why I wanted to make sure that I had Andy here uh, for this little short intro we're going to do with him before we talk about a lot, a lot of other things today. Uh, we've got a loaded show. Andy, it's been a year. Uh, we started off with with five podcasts. We're ten. We got to eleven. We're ten strong. We're building. We're growing. We're working hard. I love this team. I love the collection of podcasters and individuals that we have gathered into this network that have have honored us with allowing us to, to represent them, uh, to be connected to us, uh, and allowing you and I to kind of steer this ship into whatever, uh, I don't know, whatever kind of waters and seas it is that we're going to be facing for the next year, both as Big 12 fans and as two people who are running a podcast network. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting because I don't know that this could have gone any better than, than it has. Like, I, I couldn't have imagined it going any better. Even with the rocky start, like we we conceptualized the network and started organizing it and we're doing absolutely everything to go ahead and get it running. You know, starting a brand new show in Midwest, in Midwest Madness with Christine, you know, getting in touch with everybody and kind of bringing everybody on and getting everything ready to go. And then Oklahoma and Texas dropped a bomb and we were all like, well, do we continue to launch the podcast network or do we kind of pause on things? And we decided to go ahead with it. And I'm really glad we did because... Look, we knew it was going to be a while before the new Big 12, um, you know, really kind of got to where it was. And so we had had at least a couple years to kind of figure out what we wanted to do, figure out how we wanted to change it. And I do think we've, we've made some changes from what our initial plans were. But that was honestly, I think, to just make it bigger because we are now looking, you know, for uh, uh, shows for all the new schools that are coming in. You know, we are still enjoying everything that we're doing with all the people that we have. And there's even now more opportunities, more more time or more things for us to talk about, more opportunities to get and work with all the great people that we do. I agree with you. Like the, the collection of talent we have here on the 1012 podcast network is absolutely fantastic. Um, I wouldn't trade them for anybody. So I'm excited about what we have coming up. Some of the new things that are going to be happening here. Um, you know, we are getting ready to, uh, to add some more shows here going into this next season. And, uh, you know, hopefully we have the full, uh, the full, uh, I guess, roster of podcasts for all the schools by the time they all get here in 2023. That is the hope. Uh, as I mentioned, I said 10 shows strong. I'm going to asterisk that just for a moment. Of course, you have our show, the 1012 Podcast here, the flagship show of the 1012 Podcast Network. Uh, we've got Baylor covered with Matt Isbear and Evan Abear of Between Two Bears. We have Iowa State covered by our great, wonderful friend, Jamie Steyer Johnson, who is our other co-host of this show, and she'll be back with us uh, very, very soon. It'll be the, the trio, the three best friends uh, there ever did had, with me, Andy, and Jamie talking uh, every Monday coming up in a few weeks. Oklahoma State is covered with the Feels Like 45 podcast with Cade Webb and Dustin Ragusa. Fire the Cannon, our Texas show, is back. They will have new shows this week. I am so excited to hear what Rocky and Megan have to say about the University of Texas and Texas Athletics and the great guests that they got on that show every single time. As Andy mentioned, we have our basketball covered, men's and women's. Christine Butterfield with the Midwest Madness podcast. How can we forget Raspy Voice Kids? West Virginia. The Phoenix Brothers. Huh? Uh, we got Andy's show, Rock Chalk Podcast, that covers the University of Kansas. We have the Scott and Holman podcast. We didn't want to wait until the new show, uh, the new 
We didn't want to wait until the new school showed up, so we added a Houston podcast, the best Houston podcast out there. Uh, we worked very hard to get our Texas Tech show, Tortillas and Takes, who are absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, we have a few schools left to go. We've got TCU and Kansas State, current Big 12 schools, and future Big 12 schools, Cincinnati and BYU. But I am very excited today, very excited today, because that asterisk of 10, let's wipe it out. Let's go ahead and say 11, because we now have UCF covered. UCF is now covered in the 10-12 network. The podcast, Sons of UCF, officially part of the 10-12 network. We have got UCF. We have got the Knights out of Orlando covered. Uh, Very excited. Adam and Mike, two hosts of the show, are going to be on here in just a little bit to tell you about their show, get you kind of introduced to UCF a little bit. The more I talk to them, the more I'm like, you know, UCF's going to fit right in. That fan base is going to fit right into the Big 12. That is a group of very, very fat, passionate fan bases uh, with a weird collection of older fans who remember how it used to be and young fans who don't remember the the worst of times. They only remember the best of times. I think they're going to fit right in. It's going to be fantastic. The show is phenomenal. I don't think we could have gotten a better UCF show. Uh, Sons of UCF, they are going to be coming up here. We're going to talk to Mike and Adam, as I mentioned, in just a, just a little bit and introduce you to that show that I'm very excited to have. Uh, and... For now, that's it for today. That's all we're adding. One show. We're working hard. We've got some irons and some fires. Some things that we're working on. And Andy is right. I do expect us to have one more show that we will announce before the start of the season. And a few other big announcements as we get closer and closer to the start of the college football season. Uh, It's going to be a fun and exciting August for so many reasons. Like I said, Brett Yormark's taking over. College football returns. We've got a lot of announcements. Conference consolidation it's probably not really going to do anything, but we're going to have to keep talking about it, even though I'd rather just talk about actual football. But it's August, folks. It's the month of August. I am I am so excited we're here. Yeah, I mean, and and kind of to your point, you know, Sons of UCF, adding them, um, continues to add to the great collection of talent that we have. A bunch of different people doing a lot of different, you know, a, a lot of different types of shows, a lot of different things. Um, and I think my favorite part about the collection of talent that we have here on the network is that everybody brings their own expertise about how they do their show, how they do things. And I know that I've gotten a lot of great ideas from a ton of the other shows that we have here. And I'm sure that a lot of them would say the same thing about what we are doing here on the Tentual Podcast and over on the Rock Talk Podcast. So I'm really excited to add them, to add their expertise, add their knowledge, and add another fan base that we can all get super excited about to be able to talk about and have rep the Big 12. Yeah. Thrilled about them. Thrilled about all of this. Andy, I am I'm pumped to have you uh, kind of by my side through all of this stuff. It's been a joy. It's been great. It's one year down. Many, many years to go. A lot of growth still to come. Uh, I'm pumped about today, man. I'm absolutely thrilled. Yeah, it's fantastic. Let's, let's uh, hope that we can talk about this, you know, multiple, multiple years in the future and celebrate every single one of those anniversaries. So coming up, we've got Sons of UCF. Uh, our pro picker, Daniel Alexander, who joins myself and Chris Ross during the season to make picks every week. It's coming up, we're talking win totals for the season for Big 12 teams. Very excited about that. Uh, he does not have a bet this year. He doesn't have a bet this year. But I do. I've got a bet this year that we're going to talk about. I think, I, I'm very high on a team to start 4-0, and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put some actual money on it. We're going to talk about that coming up here in just a couple minutes. Are you a parent listening to this podcast with a child at home? either in middle school or high school, but already thinking about college planning, scholarships, or dreaming of them playing sports in college. Do you know a high school or middle school athlete who wants to go and play in college? Whether it's D1, D2, D3, or just they're not even sure they just want to keep playing during college. 
Well, let us introduce you to one of our friends of the podcast and a company who is an expert in the world of college recruiting, Recruit Route. Led by our friend Brian Bedford, a 25-year veteran of recruiting and former D1 recruiting director, Recruit Route offers a full suite of offerings to help student athletes, parents, and high school coaches be better educated and empowered to successfully navigate the college recruiting process. Check out our friends at recruit-route.com. That's recruit-route.com. Don't forget, run your route in recruiting with Recruit Route. Look, this is a big episode, and I am sorry. In fact, it's probably the longest episode we've ever done, if not one of the longest ones. But like I said, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got win totals with Daniel Alexander coming up next. And we're talking about the current 10 Big 12 teams and the four incoming. We've got our interview with Sons of UCF, the newest show in the network. But there's some stuff from last week I want to talk about. I've had a lot of thoughts popping through my brain this week. And some I'm not really going to touch on as long today as I had originally planned, just because we are at a, already a very long episode. For instance, if you haven't read the Sportical article on uh, on Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, and, and what he has done during his time as commissioner, I would. I would do so. Um, they talk a lot about how Warren has built the Big Ten as a brand, similar to the SEC as a brand. It's not just Ohio State. It is the Big Ten. And I think that plays into some of Brett Yormark's comments at Big 12 Media Days and the idea of making the conference the Big 12 brand hipper and younger and cooler to focus on the brand more than the teams in particular. Playoff expansion is coming, and we're going to get to 16 teams. The The groundwork is being laid. Chris Vanini uh, got a quote from Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill during Sunbelt Media Days about a 16-team playoff. Quote, I would be supportive of it, but it depends on how those things are allocated. I'm less supportive of the 16 best because I do think conference championships should be rewarded. That's where this is going. Greg Sankey has talked about it at SEC Media Days. He's basically no longer on board with the 12-team one that he helped co-create last summer and he is all aboard i just think it should go to the best teams why do we need to worry about that because for the sec that means that most of whatever size it is are going to be sec teams and that benefits the big 10 as well if you want to get the sec and the big 10 on board you're going to have to give them more at large spots i think that's why you're going to see a 16 team playoff which sounds crazy i mean just a few years ago they found the idea of 16 was nuts it was insane to have 16 teams. We only have four. How can you make a jump from four to 16? But but we all kind of got on board with a 12 team last year. I think most fans were like, yeah, sweet, 12. That sounds great. This is a great proposal. Well, now you're going basically from an, an, an okay to pawn 12 to 16. That's a jump of four more, not a jump from four to 16, which is a jump of 12 more. The groundwork is being laid. I think it's going to happen. Well, what I really want to talk about today is is the backlash to George Klyavkov's comments about the Big 12 during Pac-12 media days. Pac-12 commissioner, Pac-10, whatever, George Klyavkov, was asked about Big 12 commissioner Brett Yormark's comments about, quote, being open for business. George, of course, said, I appreciate that. We haven't decided if we're going to shop there or not in regards to the Big 12. Took it another step further. Quote, I've been spending four weeks trying to defend against grenades being lobbed by the Big 12 trying to destabilize our conference. I get why they are trying to destabilize us. Brandon Marcello tweeted out of 247. A Pac-12 commissioner George Klayafkoff tells 247 Sports, Big 12 presidents have been messaging Pac-12 presidents about joining the Big 12, quote, as recently as yesterday. This was on Friday. Quote from Klayafkoff, the tempering continues. I have a big collection of those messages. He's continued to vocalize 
The Pac-12 is strong and together. Uh, the Big 12 is is wasting their time. And look, I know I'm supposed to call Klyavkov out for complaining about the Big 12 instead of complaining about Fox or the Big 10, who are who swiped USC and UCLA, the same way that ESPN and the SEC pulled OU and Texas from the Big 12 last year. But this isn't last year. It's not like last year. It's not the same situation, and Klyavkov has a point. Last year, after OU and Texas announced they were leaving, no one, no other Power 5 conference, was actively pursuing the remaining Big 12 teams. The remaining eight reached out to other Power 5 conferences, but the closest anyone came to actively trying to poach any of them away was an article by ESPN's Heather Denich that the AAC could be aggressive in trying to pursue the remaining eight schools. Nobody came after the remaining eight schools, because if they had, those schools would be in the SEC, ACC, Pac-12, or Big Ten. They are not. This time, that's not the case. Someone is pursuing the remaining Pac-12 schools. Someone is trying to lure those teams away from their conference. Someone is coming for the Pac-12 in a way no one came after the Big 12 last year, and that is the Big 12. Now, you can believe that leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12 is the best decision for the Corner 4 or anyone else that Brett Yarmark might pursue. You can believe that the Big 12's fate is sealed either now or in the near future, and staying together is just delaying the inevitable. You can believe that Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren did irrevocable harm to the Pac-12's integrity as a conference with his comments about the Big 12's potential continued expansion during Big Ten media days. But it doesn't change the fact that the Big 12, Brett Yormark, the university presidents, and and likely the ADs, are working to undermine and tear apart the Pac-12. So what did you expect Klyavkov to do? Bow gracefully and let it happen? Accept defeat? Would you in his spot? His job is to hold this conference together. His job is to keep the 10 remaining teams, keep the Pac-12 as a power conference, just like it was Bob Bowlesby's last year. This is not the same. And you can say that he should be going after the Big Ten. You can say that he should be going after Fox or somebody else. But the conference right now who is further trying to pull apart the conference that he is in charge of is the Big 12. So, of course, his comments are going to be about the Big 12. Again, I'm on the side of this is going to happen one way or another at some point in the future. The Pac-12 is not long for the world. I don't think so. Maybe it happens this year. Maybe it happens next year. Maybe it happens five years from now, 10 years from now. It does feel like this conference time is over. It's just a matter of when it's actually going to come to an end. But that doesn't change the fact that the Big 12 is trying to bring that end now. And you cannot like the comments. You can be mad. But that is the reality. And so I understand why he's saying what he's saying. I understand why he's coming after the Big 12. It does make sense. It is the conference trying to tear them apart further than already has been done. Plus, let's be honest here. The Big Ten and the Big 12 are not on equal footing. Going after the Big Ten will do him no good. Going after the Big 12, a conference of which the Pac-12 is a more level footing to that is currently trying to tear it apart further, makes a lot more sense. It does. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens moving forward. Obviously, not going to have a deal done by August 4th. The Pac-12 is not. We'll see how long it takes for them to do so. Jason Shear, who covers Arizona for 247 Sports, says it may not happen this year. Klavkov himself said nothing is going to happen before the Big Ten's deal is done. And we've said that here. Like, no one else is—maybe I said it on another show. I went on the Bear Den podcast this week. Maybe that's when it happened. I don't remember. 
I've said a lot of stuff across multiple podcasts over the last few weeks, and I'm happy to continue to do so. But no one else is going to get anything done until the Big Ten's deal is done. It's expected we'll find out about what that is around Labor Day. Who knows? This isn't going away anytime soon. I'm ready to talk football. I think you guys are ready to talk football. I know this stuff is kind of fun, but it's wild to think that this has been going on for less than a month. The news of USC and UCLA came out right before July 4th. So a month, essentially. A month. Going for a month. It feels like months. Feels like forever. I'm ready to talk football. So that's what we're going to do now. We're going to talk football. Uh, We're going to talk football win totals in just a minute. But before we do, we do have to do a little podcast business. Homefield Apparel, the creator of the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will ever wear. T-shirts, sweaters, and hoodies. Look, they have every current or future Big 12 team available at Homefield Apparel, and you can use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, to get 15% off your first order. Or if you're someone like me who's crazy, you can go check out the Youngstown State lineup that just came out as part of Big News Saturday Season 4. That is ridiculously incredible. It is penguins. Their mascot is the penguin. Folks, go check out the Youngstown State collection. Oregon State's coming this week, and I, as a fan of an orange and black OSU school, feels um, a certain kindred spirit with Oregon State. Plus, I feel bad about what's probably going to happen to them sometime in the near future when the Pac-12 falls apart. So I might just buy myself some really cool Oregon State gear. I cannot wait to see what they've done with the Beavers. I cannot wait. But again, the Big 12 schools, absolutely incredible. And you know what? In honor of Sons of UCF joining the network, I'm just going to highlight that Homefield has Citronaut. If you don't know what the Citronaut is, learn quickly. They've got a retro Citronaut hoodie, if you're uh, up for that or a vintage UCF Citronaut t-shirt, which is freaking awesome. Go and check those out. Those, let's, let's call those the 1012 sh- home field shirts of the week. Vintage UCF Citronaut tee and retro Citronaut hoodie. Go check them out at homefieldapparel.com. Don't forget the promo code NETWORK12 gets you 15% off your first purchase and be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel, period, this college football season. It is August. The season starts this month. We're not that far off from Big 12 action getting underway. So it feels like what better way to kind of kick off the really kind of unofficial start of college football season, even though that was Big 12 Media Days, than by finally talking about win totals for the year. Obviously, these have been coming out since June, but we've been we've been kind of biding our time here. Very excited to have our pro picker, who is with us every Thursday during the season when we make picks each week. To join us to talk win totals, Daniel Alexander. Daniel, welcome back, bud. Hey, thanks so much. So happy to be here. And this is a this is such a fun pod to sort of jump in and get the juices flowing on uh, on the Big Twelve and uh, just sort of the view of the betting market. I really enjoyed this one last year. Obviously, a lot of hoopla around the Texas Tech bet. Of uh, they they had a great season. I was happy to pay that out. Uh, went to some great charities down in Lubbock. Um, I don't know that I have as bold of a claim this year, but but if one happens to pop up and organically happen, then uh, we'll let it fly. We'll just see what happens. But I definitely have some takes. I have some some real money that's going down on some of these win totals. So uh, excited to jump into it. 
Absolutely. Very excited to hear your thoughts on all of this, especially from the, the betting side more so than just the the college football fan side, like I think we provide a little bit more. So nice balance here. Very excited to get underway. We are going to do this in alphabetical order. And yes, we are going to talk about the four incoming Big 12 teams. We're really going to try and do our best to discuss those teams more often. When we get to weekly picks during the season, we will make picks for BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston each week as well. Barring FCS weeks, we don't pick on F teams, FCS games. Sorry, I'm just... No, thank you. <clears throat> like, W, move on. Um, but... We're going to cover all 14 teams. We'll be in the conference in 2023 today. We'll talk about the win totals for all of them. Um, all of our numbers that we were pulling from are from BetUS. No, they're not a sponsor. I just was easier to just go there. I didn't want to try and shop around. I just wanted to find one place to provide the numbers because they have all the teams listed and it's easier for me to do it this way. So uh, we're going to do this in alphabetical order, which means we are starting with the Baylor Bears. Uh, right now, they have a, a seven and a half win total uh, juiced to the over. Dan, before we dive into this, uh, I'm trying to use my terminology better. Can you explain to everyone what it means when a, when a line is juiced to one direction or the other? Uh, when you hear juiced to the over, uh, one way to think of it is basically it's more expensive to take the over. Um, you know, if we're talking betting terms of to win $100. If you were to go up to the window or to go into your sportsbook app or something like that, and something's juiced to the over, it might say, you know, minus 150 over seven and a half. Well, that means you got to put down $150 to win 100. And then to go under, you might see like a plus 120. Well, that means you only got to put up 100 to win 120. So uh, when you hear the term juiced to the over, that means it's more expensive. Probably more people are betting that way. Uh, yeah, it's a term just to help you sort of know what way the market's going on something. There you go. We learn something new every day. Don't, I'm not going to act like I've known what that meant forever. I had to learn uh, before we hit record. So I thought it might be a good idea for all of, of you to learn as well. Okay. So Baylor, as we said, seven and a half. This is juiced to the to the over at minus 150. Um, <clears throat> Daniel, what are your thoughts here on, on Baylor Bears at seven and a half wins? Um, right out the gates, I mean, like most of the world, I sort of like the over here and I feel like if they don't go over seven and a half wins, you know, the season's going to sort of look like a failure, right? I mean, to just be indirect, uh, I think this team even has value at plus 500 to win the conference. I think the offense is going to struggle a little bit, lost a lot of receiver production. The running back production is so, so uh, defense returning seven starters, I feel good about this team overall. I would still, even though that it's very expensive to take that seven and a half, um, I have this as a, a nine or 10 win football team and double digits is really what you're going to need in this conference this year to be, uh, you know, competing or get into the championship game. So seven and a half over, you never want to say something feels pretty easy, but I like that spot here. Yeah, it's an interesting line to me at seven and a half. And obviously it's juiced the over because that's where most people are going to lean. But that just seems like a really low number for a Baylor team that was as good as it was last year. Now, look, I know Big 12 title game teams tend to be the ones who win the close games. And that is something that Baylor did last year. They had a couple of nail biters they were able to pull out, but they won the conference. Yes, we've got questions about their secondary. We just we talked about about their DBs in our uh, our defensive back ranking spot. We had them pretty low. There's they've got to replace a lot at wide receiver and running back. You have a new starting quarterback. Yes, he started a few games and looked really impressive in the Big Twelve title game. 
But offensive line is going to be really good. Defensive line is going to be really good. It's a very wide open conference. Uh, we picked Baylor preseason as number two. It is a slightly tricky schedule. You go to BYU in week two. You have to travel to Oklahoma in November. You have to travel to Texas to end the regular season if Texas is playing the way I think they will be at the end of the year. That could be a really tricky game. But even with those three games on the road on the schedule, I still feel comfortable at saying they get to eight wins. Like I, I would be surprised if this Baylor team does not win eight games. Yeah, you you look at the schedule and like it just feels like if there's five losses here, like something really went wrong. Is is just what it feels like going into this season. I, they would be losing a lot of. Like, I feel like the just the games they were able to win close last year, they're unable to do so this year, right? Because you're going to Iowa State. Well, they're replacing their whole team. Uh, you're going to West Virginia. A lot of questions there. You're going to Texas Tech. New coaching staff. You get Kansas State at home. You get TCU at home. Like you, you get Kansas at home, which doesn't really help. You'd rather play them on the road. But Albany and Texas State, your other non-conference games. Like I, I'm not. I feel good about Baylor this season for for various reasons. But if I'm looking at this from a okay, what do I think is like the low end of this team? Eight and four kind of feels like it should be the low end unless they just struggle in close games or the bottom fouls out or they just can't replace what they lost from last season. But I feel like even at that, an eight a dip to eight and four is is not a lot to to ask for. Yeah, I, I don't want to. You know, I'm, I'm sort of echoing your sentiment, and I don't. I'm not making a bold claim here, <laughs> listeners. But when you go pull up their schedule, it's like they get Oklahoma State at home in Week Five, like. Could this team be seven and zero or eight and zero? Like it's not. You know, that's very hard to accomplish, but it's not impossible to picture with this Baylor team and the trajectory that they went on. Yeah, you know, and right. that they're taken into the season. It's like seven or and zero or eight and zero. It just doesn't. You know, it's not some outlandish or crazy thing to say. So I mean, even looking at that six and two, if your first eight, like you're not going to lose three of your last four. I, yeah. Th- this feels like a pretty easy over, um, which is why it's, you know, that's, right. that's, that's why it's expensive. Yes. <laughs> Choose to the over. That's, you know, that's, there's a reason why. All right. Uh, we move on down to BYU team that we just mentioned a second ago. Uh, they are at eight and a half wins and this is actually juiced to the under at minus minus one forty. Daniel, uh, how do you feel about the BYU Cougars this year? Um, I, I agree with that underside being juiced to the under. Uh, this is another team. You go pull up their schedule and the opposite of what we just talked about with Baylor, it's like, gosh, can I find nine wins on this schedule? Uh, you know, this also feels like a team that it's going to drop off a little bit. They're huge favorites week one against South Florida. So it's like, okay, let's give them that. And then to tie it into big 12, it's like, then they step right, you know, then they get to draw Baylor. Um, you know, they have Oregon, they have Notre Dame, they have Utah State, who just won their conference last year. They're playing Arkansas, Boise State, East Carolina. This is like a tough schedule. There's one gimme on the schedule, and that's Dixie State at the end of the year. So it's like, it just feels like a really tall order asking this BYU team to go win nine games. Yeah, this is a significantly more difficult schedule than last year's, 
right? And they had a really nice year last year, ten and two in the regular season. You know, we talked about all the all the Pac twelve teams that they beat. It was Arizona, Washington State, Utah was really good. Um, it was early in the season before they figured out their quarterback situation. Arizona State, USC at the end of the year. Like then you look at this year, we're talking an Arkansas team that feels like it's on the rise. Although at home, Notre Dame and Vegas, you have to go to Oregon. Uh, you have to go to Boise State. You go to Stanford. I, this is a much more difficult schedule than last year. I mean, j- just on the on, on the Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, and Arkansas, like just those four. So the, their win total is saying they're winning one of those games for sure. If you're taking the over, yeah. Right, right, right. So it's like you go on the over on those. It's like, okay, just those four games, they're definitely winning one. And you can't have any hiccups anywhere else. Right. And it's like Utah state, Liberty, Boise state, East Carolina, all four of those teams are, are going to be live. Right. Like, like BYU is probably going to be a favorite in all those spots, but Utah state and East Carolina are, are absolutely talented teams this year that aren't just going to go lay down. And then you got to go on the road to Boise state eight and a half just feels that feels tough. This number feels like it should be seven and a half or eight. At least on eight, you can push if they go eight and four. I hate that we're agreeing with everything here, but I'm with you. Like <laughs> eight feels like a, like, but an eight win season is a good season. I mean, look, it's just a more difficult schedule than last year. Like it is significantly more difficult. And maybe they snag an upset win. I mean, they did it early in the season last year over Utah. Maybe they snag an early season win over B- or Baylor here. Uh, or they go on the road to an Oregon team with a new head coach and, and surprise them. But Notre Dame should be good. I mean, Notre Dame should be good, even though they have a new coaching staff. Arkansas is going to be pretty dang good, even though it's at home. You end the season at Stanford. We'll see what Stanford looks like. It's just it's a far more difficult schedule than last year. So, and they lost a, a game that was a hiccup game to, to Boise State at home last year. So, like the idea that they're not going to have a, a game that they shouldn't lose where they lose, and then you have a more difficult schedule against your Power Five competition. It's hard to see like I to pick an over um, eight feels good, which is on the underside. So I, I'm not saying this is like, they're only going to win six games, but under feels pretty good here. I'm with you. All right. Sticking in alphabetical order. Uh, another future big 12 member, Cincinnati Bearcats, obviously coming off a, an amazing season getting to the playoff. Uh, they've got an interesting one here right now. Total is at nine. Uh, it's juiced to the over at minus minus one forty. Daniel, what way are you leaning? We, we're going to, you're going to hate, we're probably on the same side here. This is going to be uh, another good, t- another good team, right? Um, they were a top 10 defensive team last year. I don't think that they, they repeat that, but when you pull up their schedule, uh, 10 wins feels realistic. Uh, nine or 10 wins. Uh, you know, they have that week one matchup at Arkansas and they go get by that. This just feels, I mean, it almost feels automatic 10 wins. You know, you never want to say that. Okay. Right. You never want to curse a team. And, you know, there's a reason they play the game, but this is a very talented squad, you know, and it's like, they're going to be drawing the South Florida's, the Indiana's Tulsa, who I'm a little down on this year, Navy, who's been atrocious in the past two or three years and, and probably getting worse. It's like this schedule is going to line up really well again for them to have a great season and probably double digits. So uh, to me, this is a 10 win team. And so I'm going with that over. We agree again. 
I feel good <laughs> about because I feel good at the at worst this is going to push. Right? right. Like I'm happy to say over at a 9. Now if it's a 9 and a half, um I I'm not sure I would want to bet this. I would still feel pretty good about the over. And I think it all comes down to week 1. If Cincinnati wins the game in Fayetteville over Arkansas in week one. This is an easy over to me because it's at Arkansas. But after that, you get Indian at home. Maybe they bounce back. I know you're down on Tulsa. It's always a sneaky, tricky game. Tulsa can be really good, especially defensively, but they just lost their defensive coordinator. You're on the road at SMU after an idle week, but they're replacing their coach. You've got to go to UCF, but you avoid Houston here. Like I look at maybe Tulane is better this year. The AAC was bad last year. I don't see it being significantly better. I I have a hard time, even if they lose at Arkansas, I still feel pretty good about 10 wins with the only games I look at as potential toss-ups or losses at Arkansas and at UCF. I know Cincinnati has a ton they have to replace. I understand that entirely. But they've been basically the class of this conference for a few years now. Again, they avoid Houston in the regular season. I feel good at about 10 wins even if they don't beat Arkansas, if they do, I, this is an easy over to me. Yeah, I, I agreed. You go look at that schedule. You get the push on the nine. Um, let's say they lose Arkansas. Even two losses in those last uh, 11 remaining games, you it's going to be pretty big upset. You know, if, if they have more than two losses in those final 11 games, it's like, you know, Miami, Ohio, Temple. It's like, come on, like, Let's say it's, it's hard to find the losses, and uh, it would be some highlight reel Sports Center stuff if Cincinnati was to lose more than three games. Agreed. All right. Uh, staying with a future conference member again, uh, Houston, the Cougars at nine wins due to the over at 130. Daniel, where are you leaning here? This is a tough one. Uh, I think this line is very correct. I am. Uh, I'm going to have no money either direction on this. Um, this is a talented Houston squad. Uh, they're going to have an awesome passing offense this year. I think, I think this is going to be an over team meaning I'm going to be betting the over a lot week to week until the books catch up for the sake of the pod. I'm going to go with an under, but this is all, I just want to be clear. This is uh, this is no bet. Uh, and part of that is I just don't love Dana. Dan, I just feel like he just once or twice a year, he just blows it in situations. Oh, perfect example. Last year, what were they up? 21 points or something on Texas Tech, 28 points at halftime. And it's like we won. One. Gosh. It's like I feel like I feel like you get you get that once a month out of Dana and he's just gonna lose some games he shouldn't lose. So I like what they're building down there. Line feels right. For the sake of the pot, I'm gonna take the under. I am all over the over here. I think we're going to get a repeat Cincinnati-Houston championship game in the AAC this year. Um, you open at UTSA, that could be a lot of fun, but UTSA I don't think is going to be nearly as good as they were last year with all the pieces they lost. They go to Texas Tech, obviously a, a game they lost last year. Very interested in that one. You get Kansas at home. You get Rice for your non-conference. After that, their conference draw. you got to go to Memphis in October. You avoid Houston and you avoid UCF. Even if they have a hiccup, this is a 10-win team to me, even with a hiccup. Because I, I don't see like a... I don't see a game in conference play where they're not going to be favored. 
And the only game in non-conference where they might not be is Texas Tech. But they could be favored the rest of the way. Like This is an easy over to me. Again, I sort of, you know, I sat this one out and said the line is right, but it's like they're very short faves at a very good UTSA team in week one. I think people are high on Texas Tech and the new staff. I don't think Kansas is a pushover. Uh, That November game, Houston going to East Carolina, if East Carolina has the season that some people think they're going to have, it's like that's not a pushover game. That's basically saying like, okay, you, you guys can't slip up, you know, between Tulane, Memphis, Navy, and South Florida, and then SMU. In that five-run stretch, it's like you either have to go 5-0 and or 4-1. Or and one. So, again, line is right. Houston's going to be a, a very good team. So, you know, for the sake of the pod, we're going under. I hope you're writing all these down so I can take a victory lap on you. Oh, yeah. The end of the year. I'm, I'm very high on Houston this year. I'm very high on Houston this year. Back to current Big 12 teams, the Iowa State Cyclones at six and a half. Uh, this is slightly juiced to the over at 120. It's pretty much and it's kind of juiced both ways, which so I don't I don't know. Daniel, where are you at with Iowa State here? I'm torn. Uh again. I do feel like the line is right. Okay. Um is this a six-win team? Is this a seven-win team? I don't know. One thing I am going to say that's going to benefit Iowa State, uh, I feel like Matt Campbell does better being the hunter and not the hunted. Last year, there was so much hype pushed on them. This was going to be their season. Um, it just all fell flat, right? It just didn't happen. NFL what, like two or three NFL caliber players on the offense. And you just didn't feel like that you were watching that week to week, but you go pull up their schedule this year, Southeast Missouri week one, let's say I'm going to give them a win of Iowa. Gosh, I hate Iowa too. If Iowa state has a pulse, they should win that game of, in my opinion, they'll probably be, uh, well, they will be dogs, but um, Ohio, they should win. Baylor lose, Kansas, I'm going to say toss-up. I hate to say that. Kansas State, a loss. Texas, a loss. Oklahoma, a loss. West Virginia should be a win. Gosh, is it six wins or is it seven wins? I'm going to go under. This feels like an under team. They lost so much on offense. You know Matt Campbell is going to be able to do what he needs to do on defense. What do they have, seven returning starters, eight returning starters on D? I just don't think they're going to have the magic on O under six and a half wins. I do think it's tricky. Um, it, it's hard to expect a team that won seven games last year to come back after replacing as much as they have lost and just, and be better. Right. Um, so I think this line's in the right spot because I'm, I'm not sure which way to go. I would say it could absolutely be better than we expect it if, of every team that we're like, eh, it wouldn't shock me. It's Iowa state. It's Matt Campbell at this point. Um, they do get the benefit of the five home four road split in the big 12. And one of those road games is Kansas. And I know you think it's a toss up. It could be a toss up. Cause I think Kansas is going to be slightly better this year. They are going to be better this year, but still if you're Iowa state, you get Baylor early, you get Kansas on the road early. This would be totally a stay away for me. Like I am, I am not putting money on this. I am not going to pick them to beat Iowa until they do. Man, I'm going to – I think there's going to be a lot of 6-16 six and 16 at the Big 12 this year. Honestly, with as much as they lost 
from last year. Getting the six wins this year, I know that may seem frustrating, but like that's a win. Yeah. To me, no, I mean, yeah, with that's, as much that's as a, you lost, as yeah. many historical players as you lost, getting to six wins is a win. I mean, you go go walk through it, and, and I come out to five or six, and they have to really upset somebody if they're going to go to seven wins. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you and take the under. I think it's six, and it could be seven. I just... I'm with you. Like, I, I have a hard time here of trying to figure out which way to go. Uh, okay. Kansas, Jayhawks, who we all expect to be slightly better this year. Uh, two and a half. Juice to the over at minus 140. The over is a very popular pick right now. You got a, you got a side on this? I, I, I do, and I hate it because I just I'm, I'm going with the crowd on this one. But this feels like a team going in the right direction, and there's nowhere to go but up, right? I mean – Daniels is coming back and he's going to be your quarterback and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this because, because, you know, I'm not the end all uh, <laughs> on, on my big 12 info, but yeah, but Daniels looked good at the end of the season last year. Like, like, wow, does this team just have a good quarterback? And with, with the threat of the run from Daniels, it sort of opens up a little more. So it's like this offense has nowhere to go, but up um, the D line almost returns everyone, which now, timeout, I, I know the D-line was terrible, right? But I just mean for the sake of continuity, um, they have that really good safety that's returning in the back. So it's like, I can't remember, Logan, I believe, uh, something Logan, uh, safety's coming back. So it's like there's continuity, there's some solid players, two and a half wins, really? I mean, Tennessee Tech, come on, they should be able to do that. I think they're going to downright be favored at home versus Duke. So it's like, okay, can we sneak one more out of this thing? Now, look, I know that's asking a lot, but, I mean, a late-season Kansas win against some better team sort of feels automatic every year, right? Either, you know, they're going to go beat K-State at the end of the year, or maybe they can sneak one from Texas Tech or Iowa State. They and Look, if they beat West Virginia in week two – I think they're going to cash this thing by week four or five. So I know we're talking about Kansas and it's the popular bet and, but I'm right there with everybody. I would take it over two and a half. I love the over here, but I will say this. It is a tricky schedule because you get Tennessee tech, but then you go to back to back road games at West Virginia, who should be better at Houston, who I really like. And then you get Duke. That Duke win is the game is huge for them. Can you bounce off back from two potential losses and two that could be kind of bad losses to go face Duke and get that win? Then you get back-to-back home games against Iowa State, replacing everybody, and TCU, new coaching staff. Because the rest of the schedule, the rest of the way, is at OU at Baylor, Idle Week, OSU at Texas Tech, Texas at Kansas State. If they're going to get this over, I think they almost have to do it all in the first half of the season. Oh, sure. I, I yeah. don't feel good at all about the back, the back six. So that front six, they've almost got to go three and three for this over to hit. I feel like they can do it because of who they have, because of where they get certain teams at home. But it is a tricky schedule. And it, it really does come down to that Duke game. If they lose the Duke game, this is an under. Um, but I feel pretty good about it. Like if they have, like I see one game they should win, one game I think they'll win, and then I've got to find a Big 12 game for them to win. And can they? I think they can. Uh, I think it's, that's it's going to be tricky. It's funny. We're agreeing with each other, but I just, I think maybe we get there differently. I think this might be a four win team this year. 
I, okay. uh, I will absolutely be betting them uh, when they go to West Virginia. That, that week two game, I'm taking Kansas on the points. I'm going to have some Kansas money line. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think this Kansas team is going to absolutely compete with the lower end of the Big 12 this year. And I don't feel like this is – this Kansas team, in my opinion, is no longer like some doormat automatic win for the lower tier of the conference. That's my sort of take and feel of Kansas going into this season. Okay, Kansas State at six and a half, juice to the over at minus 180. Daniel, what do you lean here? Um, what's going to be funny about this K-State team is that um, this isn't going to feel like older teams where it was maybe sort of a ground and pound type thing and defense and control the clock. Um, this team's going to be able to score. This, this team is a very good offense. Um, I'm very high on K-State going into this season. I feel like um, there are some question marks on defense. This is going to be an over team. And we're going to have some surprises some weeks where they're going to win games by just straight up outscoring other teams. I'm going to go with the over on this. Um, and if you go pull up the schedule and walk through it, uh, I think it's pretty clear that this is an over team. And I even think there's value here um, to win the big 12. I don't know what the line is right now. So I do apologize. I have bet them to win the big 12 and I got it around 20 to one, 18 to one, something like that. So uh, I am not sure uh, of their current price. I'm not saying Kansas is going to win the big 12. I'm saying at 20 to one, there is absolutely value here that I feel like should get some real money wagers. Kansas state is plus 1500. That's okay. So they're down to that. Okay. Yeah. I made the bet about six weeks ago. So that doesn't seem, you know, which is behind TCU at plus 1000 Baylor, OSU, Texas, and Oklahoma. Yeah. See like, like being behind TCU is like, what are you, uh, that what is, are you that's talking a great, about? That is plus 1500 to for big 12 championship. Yeah. Give me that. Well, cause that's it's like betting GM. You're, you're basically talking here. So like, it's not too hard to project when you're doing this. Sorry to go off on a little bit of like a gambling winning no. thing here, but like, Please. you know, you got to look at who are the teams in the big 12 that realistically can sort of maybe get to the nine, 10, 11 wins. I know last year we had a couple, Oh, excuse me. Yeah. yeah sort of that nine, 10, 11 range. Cause if you can get there, you're going to be in the mix uh, for the title game. And you look at this team, you look at their schedule, this feels like that that nine win or 10 win threshold is absolutely live. And, and for the dead. So for taking their over all day long. So now I want to go look at, okay, what's their price, uh, you know, in the event they're in that title game. I'm with you on the over. Um, I'm really high on Kansas state this year. I think they start the season three and O with South Dakota, Missouri and Tulane. Uh, you get, you go to Oklahoma, but it's week four. It's early. You go to Iowa state, but it's week six. You get Texas tech at home. They have a very sneaky, tough stretch. There's a four-game stretch of Oklahoma State, Texas, at Baylor, at West Virginia, which I think puts that Baylor and West Virginia game really in, a, in an interesting spot. And I am super excited for Kansas State, Texas, for Bijan versus Deuce. But yeah, at at six and a half, yeah, this team's getting to seven wins. I feel pretty comfortable with that. I, I This was another line where I'm, I'm shocked it's this this low, um, kind of like Baylor. I 
Vegas is smart. They're not dumb. They they put things where they in, in smart places. But uh, I like this over a lot. Um, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, okay, moving on to the Sooners. Nine and a half. Juice to the under at minus 120. Uh, Daniel, which way are you leaning here? This is tough. Um, I do feel like the line is right. Uh, I, I'm personally going to stay away with some money. Uh, I do know some sharp people who actually really like this Oklahoma team and feel like there's not going to be a lot of drop-off. Um, I don't personally feel that way, but I'll also admit that I don't have a strong take one way or another. Like, I just don't know. My gut tells me uh, – I know they had a shaky year last year. Um, or, you know, cause every year there's sort of these, you know, national title – uh, you know, expectation sort of thing and, you know, Lincoln Riley's exit and Caleb Williams leaving and all this kind of stuff. I just don't know what this team, I could see this team winning 10 games. I could see this team winning seven games. So, you know, I, I hate to sort of, you know, step aside and say, I'm not going to have a take on this, but I have no clue what's going to hit the field this year for Oklahoma. <laughs> Is that fair? I have no yeah. bet. I have no money uh, for the sake of the pod. I'm going to take under. Okay, my my gut sort of telling me it might take might take a few weeks. This feels like a kind of Oklahoma team where first six weeks of the year they maybe lose a game or two they shouldn't, and then everyone says oh, Oklahoma's they're bad they're not going to have a good year, and then everything comes together for like that last four or five games of the Big Twelve, and all of a sudden they look great, world beaters, and they're in the championship game. Some scenario like that would not surprise me, but. Uh, I'm going to pass on a take here as far as real money, and I'm going to lean to the under. I'm going to take the over. I Hey, you I, you and a lot of smart people. Like I said, there's uh, there's some respected people I know that have said, oh, this team is not dropping off this year. They're going to have some close gains and some close wins. but And one of the reasons I when we voted in the preseason poll, I picked Oklahoma to win the conference again, was the other teams I think are in contention for the Big 12. Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Texas. They get Kansas State, Baylor, and Oklahoma State at home, and they get Texas and Dallas every year at a neutral site. So the other teams, I think, who are going to be the best in the conference, they get all of them at home. You get UTEP, and eh, Kent State, could be interesting. Nebraska on the road at, at 11 a.m. We'll see. Nebraska gave us some trouble last year. Maybe this is a, a Nebraska team that's finally figured some things out. But I feel comfortable with the over. I do. Um, again, I think they're going to have some close games, but... You're at West Virginia, at Texas Tech, at Iowa State, at TCU. I mean, two brand new head coaches, one kind of on the hot seat and one replacing everybody. I feel comfortable in an Oklahoma team as talented as they are, being able to, as usual, use that talent as an in an advantage in close games and get a lot of wins. So I'm going to take the over. Um, I, nine or tens is the right spot. Like that nine and a half is the right spot. Sure. I, I yeah I, I agree there I, I think I personally feel like they probably land on nine that's my personal feeling yeah I just I think I think ten at nine and a half I think ten is more likely than eight um, nine is very much in play but but I will take the over just because I, I I do kind of I am buying in more on Oklahoma the closer we get to the season this is I mean I say it every year Big Twelve is it's really a fascinating conference this is going to be. Uh, it's just going to, I don't know. I'm excited for this Oklahoma team. This is either going to be a team that's great to fade and you're going to make a lot of money fading them, 
or uh, or it's going to be really expensive trying to fade them. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to take some teams on the money line. In my opinion, there's going to be some value on the money line uh, to start the year. K-State, that week four game, I'm taking them on the money line for sure. Uh, they go on their first road game to Sunny Dykes uh, for the conference. I'm absolutely going to take TCU money line. I mean, by then we'll probably know what we've got, but but just in case I'm right, I'm absolutely going against them. Uh, okay. Oklahoma State at eight and a half, juice to the under at minus 125. Daniel, where are you going here? Um, I'm going to go on the under, and I'm going to be betting some real money on the under here. Um, offense, I think, will actually probably be a little bit better with some continuity with, uh, you know, Spencer Sanders and the O-line. But I think what happened last year with the defense was an outlier. I mean, they had a great season and and all the credit in the world to them. I just don't see in any way whatsoever how there is a repeat of what happened with last year's defense. I mean, we're talking about like top two or three secondary in all of college football. And uh, I just absolutely do not know how they, you know, can repeat something like that. Um, They bring back what three defensive starters, uh, maybe four and, and, you know, and the coordinator, he's left for the big money contract. So it's like eight and a half. This is an under all the way. So I'm going to lean on history a little bit here, to be honest. Mike Gundy with a returning quarterback. So established starter coming back for another year has not won fewer than nine games in the regular season outside of COVID in 2020 where you had a shortened season. They went eight and three overall, as opposed to more because they lost a couple of game, non-conference games. Spencer Sanders coming back. I know how everybody feels about Spencer Sanders. I don't necessarily disagree. I know everything that they've lost on defense. I know Jim Knowles is gone. But again, this is a wide open Big 12. I will ride with Mike here and take the over. I think nine and three is the right choice here. If you This, this feels like a nine win team. And they can get to 10 in the bowl game. But I, I will take the over just because, look, you have established quarterback and we can depend. I know how everybody feels about Spencer Sanders and, and what that means there, but I will ride with history. OSU with an established returning quality quarterback is a good thing for Oklahoma State. I will take the over. I think I think nine wins feels right. Gosh, man, going through this schedule. Okay, this is okay. We just straight up disagree. I have real money on the under. I'm taking the under here. You go through this schedule, they better win those first three. I mean, they're, I think, they're, I think they're, they will. No, yeah. I mean, they're they three, touch, three touchdown favorites against Central Michigan. But yeah, well, who was it last year? Was it them or Iowa State was like a 41 point favorite or something and won the game like in the fourth quarter? I, I mean, I'm, I could have been both. Yeah, I'm sort of drawing <laughs> a blank. I remember that first week, one of those guys was like, um, didn't lose the game, but you know, it's like, what is going on here? But it's like, then they go at Baylor. Yeah, this sort of renewed Texas Tech, this TCU everyone's excited about. Then they draw Texas. They go to Kansas State. They go to Kansas, which they're going to win the game. But it's like, I feel like there's a drop down with Oklahoma State, and some teams are getting better. So I, I, I get it. I do. I just history tells me nine wins is about right. We'll see. It's it's. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to depend on how that defense looks week one and how Spencer Sanders plays this season. All right, TCU at six and a half, juice to the over at minus 125. Daniel, which way are you leaning? 
going under here. No disrespect to anyone, to any team. And actually, Sonny Dykes, this is probably one of the most talented situations he's stepped into, uh, maybe his career, like just as a head coach. Uh, I think the offense is going to be really good. I don't think Sonny's going to have any problems there. Uh, Wide receiver wise, uh, you you know, I don't do too much like individual metric stuff. This is probably one of the best wide receiver groups in the Big 12, and I think that's going to be a big strength for Sonny Dykes. O-line is going to struggle. Uh, I don't – I don't know. I don't love their defense that they're putting on the field. I think it's going to be uh, – it was very down in 2021. I know there's nowhere to go but up, but I just don't see it all coming together yet this season uh, for a first year for Sonny Dykes. So – so that's my take. No real money. Uh, I'm not touching this with any real money. I think it's pretty darn close on the line. But uh, for the pod here today, these horned frogs feel like a uh, slight to the under. I'm with you. Six wins feels good. Like I said, I think the Big 12 could have like eight ball teams this year. Because I think there's going to be a lot of kind of in the middle. Um, so I, I lean more towards six than I do seven. That non-conference, look, I know it's Colorado in week one. They're not very good, but it is on the road in a week one with a new coaching staff. Um, You get an idle week before you play SMU on the road. They have a brand new coaching staff, but that team is going to be reared up there. Always are, but now they get to play their former head coach who who left them for the team just a few miles down the road. Um, You get a road game at Kansas, that's that's nice, but I feel like it's a TCU team that's going to get an upset and is going to get upset at least once both ways here this season as they try and figure things out. So I I will lean towards the under and six wins as well. Um, I think the line's right because six, seven feels appropriate. Um, so, but I, I lean more towards six than seven. Uh, okay. Texas at eight and a half. It is minus 115, whichever way you go. So there's no benefit one way or the other, Daniel. Uh, which way do you lean though? Uh, this is also uh this is, a, this is a no money. I have no real money wagered here, but I've sort of been down on Texas. I feel like on the pod for the past few years and the tune has changed. I sort of lean to the over here with this team this year. I think, I think we're still maybe a year or two away from that national level. Texas is back sort of vibe, but it's like, Hey, this offense uh, O-line, great O-line last year. They played really well. Obviously, Robinson, one of the best backs in the country. Um, you have you you have like a giant wide receiver room. These guys are going to be a tough matchup for just about every single team in the Big 12. This feels like this is going to be a very uh, meaningful and, uh, you know, purposeful offense. What do I mean by that? They're, they know their identity going into the year. They're going to be very hard to stop, and this team is going to be able to score. Defensive side, they have, what, four guys returning on the D-line. Like, there's more – there's just a lot of continuity here. I think it finally just sort of comes together, and I think we're looking at a 9- or 10-win team. Texas, for me, is a team that's going to start off with some bumps and could start the season 3-3 and and then turn around and finish 9-3 and or 8-4. and like, I, I think this is a team that should get better as the season progresses with the changes they made to the to the roster. Quinn Ewers is going to need time to get things figured out if he's the starter. Uh, I mean, you've got Alabama in week two. 
<laughs> how they respond after that. You get UTSA at home, then you go to Texas Tech, then you get West Virginia, then you get Oklahoma. And that doesn't sound super daunting, but if Alabama goes in and does what we think they might do to Texas, like it's one of those body blow games it takes you a few weeks to bounce back from and, and could lead to a, a loss like at Texas Tech in week four. So I think that this is a team that you get Baylor at home, you got to go to Oklahoma State, you got to go to Kansas State. Like I, I, I think, and I think an eight win season is huge for Texas this year. Like I think that would be big, and I feel like that's about right. I'm not as high on them as you are, because I do think they have real issues on the offensive line and the defensive line. I, I think that their weapons on offense are awesome. We got to see Quinn Ewers. I mean, Quinn Ewers hasn't played significant football that mattered in quite some time. I think they're going to have some growing pains early in the season. I will lean toward the under um, because I think 8-9 is about right, but I feel better about saying 7-8 to eight rather than I do 9-10. Oh, I mean, maybe so, you're, you know, you're living in the Big 12, but like from a, a, a betting and expectation side, I feel like if this was a 7 or 8 win team, it would be like, uh, what's going on, Texas? Like 7 I mean, wins? I just feel like they'll be like, like – I guess I don't see the problems on the O-line. You have one of the best backs in the country. You have continuity on defense. Like, yeah, of course. Okay, let's say they lose to Bama, right? It wasn't a good defense last year. Here's the problem with continuity. Continuity is great. If good Bringing back good players that played really well is good. Bringing back players that didn't play well doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing. Touche. I mean, I I absolutely respect that take, but it's like, I guess I I just feel like if you have – uh, what am I talking about here? You know, continuity is sort of whatever we'll say for its school like Akron. Okay. You've got Sark, you have the establishment that is Texas football. If, if, if they can't make continuity work, it's like, wow, it's time for someone else. In my, that's just my opinion, right? It's just one guy's take here, but like you get a, a school like Texas if Sark can't bring that continuity together this year and put a team on the field, minimum eight wins, like dude, something is not working in Texas. That's, you know, again, that's just my opinion. That's why it's like, I agree. This is like, this has to be a nine win team or else it's kind of like, what's going on here. There's so much in play at at Texas. That's everything is such an issue. That's why I feel like eight is the number I feel most comfortable with, which is the under, and nine wouldn't shock me. Um, so, but I, I I would rather base off of Texas history, and a lot of people made a lot of money by betting the under on Texas's win totals for the sure, last decade. Sure, I will lean towards the under here. Hey, no, I I guess I don't blame you. I, I guess I feel like if this isn't over, meaning you know if Texas does not go over, what are they even doing over there? Like, what are they trying? Fool me to once, build? shame on yeah. you. Fool me eleven times. <laughs> Um, okay. So Texas Tech at five and a half, juice to the under at minus one twenty. Uh are you gonna be higher on Texas Tech this year than you were last year? I love I love that they brought in that Houston Baptist offensive coordinator. I love mm-hmm. that. I mm-hmm. what I uh I don't know it's for Kitley. I don't know his Is first that name. Kitley? Okay. Um I love that move. I think uh, a lot of sharps, a, a lot of smart guys I know are really high on the entire staff that they brought into Texas Tech. There's a lot of, you know, this 
uh, narrative of they're doing things right. They're going to, you know, they're building things out for the next three or five years, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know that I have that same take. I feel like, I feel like five and a half is correct. Um, I do not have the same strong opinion. Last year, I thought Texas Tech was an absolutely terrible team. They proved me wrong. They won uh, six games, uh, you know, whatever. You all, we, we have all the history, you know, down on pod the, of my feelings of that and losing bets and stuff like that. <laughs> this year, I feel like it's right. Um, I do love the OC pickup. I feel like the defense should take a step forward. You know, the pieces are there for a step forward. Um, they have that kid Wilson that's still there up front. It was a really like metric wise performed really well on the D line. So it's like, all right, five feels right. I guess I'll just lean under. I don't know. All new staff. Everyone's talking that this is going to be their year a little bit. I know I'm rambling. I'm going to lean under. I'm with you. All right. If this Joey McGuire hire is going to work out, it's a year three situation. It's not a year one. And part of that is the first half of the season schedule. You open with Murray State. Great. Get you a nice win. Then it's Houston, who I'm high on. At NC State, who a lot of people are high on and has a really good defense. Texas at home. At Kansas State. At Oklahoma State. There's a real shot here that Texas Tech is two and four because they pulled off an upset win. That is not a, a easy start to the season for Texas Tech. Now, I think Texas Tech is going to pull off an upset this year because I think with Zach Kittley running the offense, I think the offense is going to be good enough. The defense will play well enough in a game or two where they pull off an upset they're not supposed to. And this season, the schedule is absolutely backloaded. West Virginia, Baylor, at TCU, Kansas, at Iowa State, Oklahoma at home to end the regular season. But the front half of the schedule is so tough to me for Texas Tech that for them to get to six wins, in my opinion, they almost have to go perfect on the back end. Like there's a realistic shot that Texas Tech it looks pretty good and starts one and five. Now I don't think they will, but it's not out of the realm of possibility with what that schedule is in the first half of the season. So with that said, again, Vegas is very smart. This number feels on the line. I I would love to see them get back to a bowl game and this year and do so in in Joey McGuire's first season. I'm going to lean towards five. I'm going to lean towards they, they just miss a bowl game. I'm with you on the under. I'm hoping for the over, but I'm having a hard time seeing it just with how the schedule stacks up. Okay, back outside to a new member again, UCF. Eight and a half, juice to the over minus 135. Daniel, how do you feel here? Uh, I like this over too. This is, uh, this is a strong squad that's actually kind of recruited pretty well. Uh, for the past two or three years. And uh, I, I like this over again. When you pull their schedule up, um, sort of like so, like we talked about Cincinnati earlier, like they could go on a big run. UCF feels that same way. Like there's, a, there's a, an outside chance here. We're looking at a 7-0 and or 6-1 and team by the time that they draw Cincinnati in late October. Um if things fall right, like this could be a 10 win football team. And now I'm not saying that they're that good and that they're going to go be a 10 win team, but like, you know, juice to the over there. I mean, there's a reason I think nine wins is sort of automatic when you pull up their schedule and then things go break. You're looking at a 10 or 11 win squad. 
they're going to be favorites in five of their first six games, six, six of their first seven games, something like that. So I'm with you. I'm glad this is an eight and a half because nine feels right. I, I don't think they're beating Louisville. I think Louisville's offense is going to be really good this year. Uh, and whatever the, the total is on that game of UCF Louisville, just pick, just, just bet the over, <laughs> uh, just bet it right now. Uh, I don't know what to expect from Georgia tech. And, and the schedule sets up for them. Well, their, their only road game in their first, what six games is at Florida Atlantic. Okay. Um, you've got a tricky stretch of at East Carolina, Cincinnati at home at Memphis at Tulane. But if you give them the Louisville and Cincinnati Bear and the Cincinnati losses, which I think are losses, that's that's ten and two. At over eight and a half, that gives me wiggle room with another loss. Like I I think I lean over. I think I lean over here. Again, Vegas is very smart. That line feels right. I have a hard time with ten and two. I think they've got some spots that they're having to replace some guys on, but I feel good about no. Yeah, they they return. I mean, they return what seven on offense and eight on defense. They've got a new this quarterback. Gonna be, this, don't they? Good, this can be a good squad. I well, mean, year two for Gus, and I, you're replacing your OC, which isn't really anything. Um, what is it between uh, uh, Keen and, and John Rice Plumley for the starting job? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is a team that could win ten games again. If the AAC, the question is, is the AAC? as bad as it was last year. And so the, the top three teams, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston, all have pretty easy pass through the conference. And it's just a matter of, you know, because they all kind of semi-avoid each other to some extent. Uh, do they all have nice records at the end of the year? Again, I, I don't think UCF beats Louisville. Um, I think Louisville was better this year than last year, and, and UCF should have beaten Louisville last year and didn't on that. Oh, it was an insane game. They get Cincinnati at home. Yeah, you know what? All right, yeah, over. I, I said over, but I agree. I, I will go with the over a, a little more confidently than I did just a moment ago. Roll with me. Let's go. All right. I like it. All right. Last one. West Virginia, the Mountaineers, five and a half, juice to the under at minus 130. Daniel, what's your play here? Real money is bet on the under. Um, they're returning three defensive starters. Um, they're bringing back six guys on offense and almost all that's the offensive line. Uh, I love that they're going to have continuity on, on a good, a decent, we'll say decent offensive line. Uh, they question marks all over the field at receiver running back, where are they going to get production and defensively, I really don't see what they're going to do. I mean, the entire back seven is like brand new faces. We've got a five and a half number juice to the under and you go pull up their schedule and it's like, Oh crap. Like, are they going to get to four? You know, I mean, you go walk through the schedule week by week and their dogs at Pittsburgh. I already said, I'm taking Kansas that week two game will not surprise me at all. If Kansas somehow keeps it close or pulls that off, we'll give them Towson. But then after that, it's like, okay, on the road at Virginia Tech, then they go to Texas, go home to draw Baylor, back to Texas Tech, home for TCU. It's like, dude, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. In those last six games, like, if they win two of them, I feel like that'd be a huge win. So, four, I'm seeing a four-win team, five wins max, real money on this under. Okay. The back half of the schedule, that last four games, at Iowa State, OU, Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, tricky. You do get Oklahoma and Kansas State at home. Uh, 
You get Baylor at home coming off of an idle week. I am not as high on Pitt this year. You, I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah, you, you have historic, like, yeah, I am not as high on Pitt. Uh, Virginia oh, look, Tech replacing look, their Pitt, head coach, their coaching yeah, staff. Dude, Pitt has to go, you know, replace a, you know, NFL caliber quarterback that was there for five years and probably like a team leader. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then yeah. OC that the head coach is now talking trash about despite him being <laughs> yeah. quite good. You get Kansas early. You get Townsend. Uh, it's a real game. Tech. Like I, okay. I said I think the Big Twelve sends like eight teams bowling this year. I will take the over. I think I think they can get to six. I do because I think there is a realistic shot because I am not high on Pitt and I'm not high on Virginia Tech. I think there's a realistic shot that Virginia that West Virginia starts four now. I think they could go to Pitt, wow, beat Kansas, Townsend, and at Virginia Tech. Now, again, the back half of the schedule is tricky. If JT Daniels is what people think he might be, you get Baylor at home off and out of week. You get Oklahoma and Kansas State at home. You get TCU at home. You go to Texas Tech. Like, I will take six wins. I will take six wins. I do think there is a real shot. And here's the thing. If West Virginia wins their first four, either Pitt and Virginia Tech are god-awful, or this is a this is a decent West Virginia team, I will take the over. I feel good about them making a bowl game this season. Uh, I think for Neil Brown, they need to do more than that. But I I will take the over here and say that West Virginia gets to at least a bowl game and six wins. Okay, so we, we are definitely different directions on this team. But that's fun. That's, you know, that's that's when it's fun is when we're seeing things I, totally differently on, on a score. I have such a hard time with them because, like, I want to buy in. And I the offense should be finally good. They lose so much on defense. I've got a ton of questions on that side of the ball for them. If they don't take as big of a step back on defense, despite what they lost, again, I think they can start 4-0. I'm not high on Pitt. I don't care what they did last year. You lost too much. I'm not high on Virginia Tech in the year one of, of Brent Pry. Like, I know those are road games, but, man, like you, they could start 4-0. They really, they really could. And if they do, that's a lot of momentum. Take on the road to Texas, get a week off, get Baylor at home. Like you get when you get the teams at the top at home and you play some of the the lower end teams in the conference, and I don't mean that as a shot at Texas Tech or Iowa State, but I mean look at those win total projections, look at West Virginia's win total projection. There's a lot of similarities. You're getting those teams on the road. So in theory, you're a little bit closer in the road games and you get the teams that are supposed to be better than you at home at West Virginia, which is supposed to be a place that's tough to play. Like I think it gives West Virginia an opportunity to get six wins this year. Yeah, I'm 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 riding four and can't West Virginia. I'm just I'm gonna stay the flag <laughs> on it. I'm riding it. This is my, this is my flag plant right now. Four and West Virginia to start. Pin the that tweet. Pin that top, tweet to the top, top twenty five ranked team. <laughs> if I, I could if I could bet, I just is there a way where I could just bet four and West Virginia? Is that a possibility? Can I do Yeah, that? we can roll over a money. I mean I mean, well, Towson will be tough because actually, I bet they're not as big of favorites as you think in that game. But we we can. I'll, I'll cook something up for you. Ooh, all right. Okay, I'm tell you what. I will I'll tell. I'll put ten bucks down on what on Pitt and just roll it over each week. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's how we start. Yeah, ten dollars on West Virginia, and we'll uh, we'll okay. check in. Re- remember this for when we record our our week one or I think week zero. No, week one okay. for the week, week one pod. Yeah. We'll uh, let's remember that rollover. Okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do this. I'm I'm all for four. They're gonna lose week one, and it's gonna be over quick. But I don't care. Four and zero, West Virginia. All right, 
Daniel, man, you're awesome. I cannot wait for the season to get started. This is fantastic. Uh, you did mention, you know, Big 12 championship odds. We can look at those real quick. Oklahoma, latest ones I have are Oklahoma plus 175, Texas plus 230, Oklahoma State plus 700, Baylor plus 700, TCU plus 1000, Kansas State plus 1500, Iowa State at plus 1800, West Virginia plus 2500, and then you've got Tech at 4000 and Texas, or in Kansas at 10,000. Looking at those odds, is there one you have put money on and is there, or are there one or two that you, that you like there based off of the odds you're getting? Baylor and K-State, uh, K-State at 1500. That's about the lowest end of my range that I would like them, but I, I would still, you know, a little bit of beer money, you know, bar tab money on a, on a little K-State at plus 1500. I really liked the plus, I got plus 2000 or plus, I think it was 2050. I loved that number. Um, Baylor 700, I think is a very fair number, uh, way more value there. I mean, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, there shouldn't be, you know, that big of a price difference in all those guys. Um, Baylor at plus 700, Kansas at hundred to one, don't bet it, but that's a great price. They, they shouldn't be hundred to one. They should be like 50 to one or something like that, but hundred to one. I'd put 20 bucks on it. You heard it here, folks. Put a dollar down on, on Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> Baylor, <laughs> Baylor and K-State. Those are the two that, in, you know, quote unquote value, uh, in my opinion, to win the Big 12. I like it. I, I, I agree. I think those are, are great opportunities there. All right. Daniel, man, you're awesome. I know that you, you, you post bets all the time. Premier League's coming up soon. Obviously, college football, college basketball is your is your money maker. Uh, for those who want to follow you, follow uh, follow your bets. Where can they do so, man? At DannerB7 on Twitter. Come find me. Uh, and also, I'm in the Action Network app. Um, I, I post every single play I make for free uh, before lines come out. The whole thing got about 350 people that just follow along with with all the plays for fun. So join in there. I'm also Danner B7 on there. So come find me. Daniel, appreciate it, man. Can't wait to have you back ahead of week zero. We'll, we'll do kind of a, a setup week before the season gets started. And then week one, man. Love it. Can't wait. I'll we're be making, there. We're making picks. Let's all go. 14 teams this year, all 14. We're doing, we're doing weekly picks for, for Houston, Cincinnati, UCF and BYU. It feels like the right move this year. I will see you. Thanks so much for having me. We'll talk in a few weeks. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week, and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. I am thrilled, excited, ecstatic. Um, I'm running out of words here. That's what happens when you spend 30 minutes uh, smelling cleaning fumes as you're cleaning up the, the dog 
pee from the child's rug. Uh, so I've run out of synonyms to use for uh, the good mood that I am feeling right now because we are officially adding the 11th show to the 1012 network. We are adding a show for a school that will be incoming in the summer of 2023. And I, I feel honored and blessed that, frankly, the best UCF show possible has decided to join us. Uh, that is the Sons of UCF. We are thrilled to have you guys joining us tonight, two of the hosts, Adam and Mike from the Sons of UCF. Guys, uh, welcome to the 1012 Podcast and welcome to the 1012 Network. Philip, I appreciate the intro. We've uh, we've been on a few different shows. I've never preceded a conversation about dog pee. Uh, so this is a first for us. If this is how the network runs, we are right at home. But happy to be part of the group. Happy to be part of the family. Yeah, just as excited as UCF is to join the Big 12, we're excited to join this network here and excited to meet all these other schools in the conference. Ever since it was announced that the four schools were coming, I've been of the mindset of like, there's no reason for us to wait till 23 to start adding shows um, to the network that represent the four incoming members. I, I'm treating it like basically we're engaged. All we got to do now is walk down the aisle kiss and we're, we're set to go and this marriage is official so i i mean basically you guys are all part of the family to me and we we want to treat you as such so i am happy to have a UCF show obviously we have our houston show uh scott and holman podcast thrilled to have them so uh, i want everyone to kind of get to know you guys i i would say we there's there's a couple of really good ucf shows out there you guys obviously being one of them um and I, you guys just do incredible work like we, we really do try and put the time and effort into going out looking for shows. For me, there was there was just no way to try and start a UCF show from scratch. And there was absolutely no reason to with you guys out there, uh, with the incredible work you do covering the school and the university, the, the athletic department. Uh, just kind of set up the backstory for everybody. Kind of explain like, how did you guys get started? And kind of who who are the sons of UCF? Yeah, I'll start this off and then I'll kick it to Mike because he'll he'll wrap up the story. So uh, Mike and I are high school buddies, uh, went to high school together, went to UCF together, roommates in, in, all throughout college, uh, went our separate ways, started family, started real life, but always connected through UCF texting and, hey, I can't believe we lost this game. I can't believe that happened. You hear about that recruit, your typical just guy stuff, just kind of keeping in touch. And, uh, and, and so I, uh, I took a job where I was driving a lot. I was in a car all day long. And so I started getting into podcasts. I needed something to listen to and uh, searched up some UCF stuff. And there's only a couple of shows. So I was like, all right, I listen to these shows. And, you know, they ran out pretty quickly. And, and I'm in the car every day. I'm like, man, like I need more UCF stuff. How is there only like one or two shows about this? So went home and said, hey, let's just figure this out. So Googled some stuff, got some equipment, plugged some stuff in. And then uh, one day I called up Mike. And uh, I think, Mike, you can pick the story up from here on, on that <laughs> on that phone call. Yeah. I mean, like a, a two minute clip of him talking about UCF. He goes, Hey, what do you think about a podcast? Said, yeah, sounds cool, man. You know, I'll listen to it. And he's like, oh, Well, you want to be on the first show with me? I was like, Yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll help you out, whatever. And the next thing you know, we've done 189 shows <laughs> and I've been on every single one of them. And for me, it's just been awesome. It's a, it's a great hobby. We get to talk about UCF. I got out of the house for an hour or two. I got two kids in there and my, and my wife driving me nuts. I get to talk to my buddy about UCF and, and people listen to it. So it's been a great. Now I think going on what season five, Adam? Four, season five, five yeah. Four. Season five, yeah. Yeah. So, so Mike was Mike was ride. an unwitting co-host. He did not know what he signed up for. <laughs> I just said, "Hey, come on, let's talk for a few minutes." And then I was like, "Hey, what are you doing next week?" And then next week, and then before you knew it, he was like, "Am I doing this all the time?" I'm like, "I don't see why not." So, uh, yeah, we, we've had a good time with it. We uh, we've done 189 something audio shows. We now do a video show once a week on Thursday. So I think we're up to 57 or 58 of those in a row. So. Um, you know, 200 plus shows out there, UCF related. 
and we're really fortunate. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of good connections with, with UCF. Um, they, they treat us really well. They give us access to press events and media availabilities, uh, and they've been really good to us. So it's been a, it's been a good partnership, good relationship. Uh, and you know, because we love UCF and we're alums, it, it just makes a ton of sense for us to talk about UCF. So for for ten twelve listeners, for Big Twelve fans, I mean, I think a lot of the fans are as excited about the four incoming schools as the four incoming schools are about joining the Big Twelve. They, I'm going to have them all come check out your show. That's obviously what we want them to do. What, what, what can they expect when they listen to their first episode of Sons of UCF? Ooh, it depends. So non-football season, <laughs> Philip, things get a little loose. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, we, we obviously heavily focus on football. So typically during football season, we'll break down the game that just took place. Uh, we have some, some specific, you know, show bits we do to, um, you know, kind of give out like game balls. We have our own little spin on that. I want to give that away for the audience. And we do a lot of, a lot of games, a lot of bits. Uh, um, you know, we'll do a, you know, uh, sort of, you know, start bench cuts, things like that. Uh, we have the, the Gus Malzahn translator where we, uh, we play his press conference clip and then we tell you what he really meant to say during that clip. Uh, we have some, some fun stuff where we make fun of our rivals or our, I guess our current rivals, um, which is the, uh, the cows over in South Florida. So you can expect a, a whirlwind stuff. Uh, we're also pretty well known for our interviews. We've been really fortunate. I think we've done something like over 125 player or coach interviews, uh, big names at UCF. If they've played at UCF, we've tracked them down. We've had them on our air for 45, 50 minute long form style interviews. So really good stuff. Cause you learn a lot about the program you didn't know about. Yeah. You, you know, they played well on this one. Saturday, but what was going on off the field? How how are they and their teammates, you know, working together? So the football season a little more structured. Outside of that, you can never know what you're going to get. It's it, you never know what's going to break out. Sometimes we just get off on tangents. Our last episode, Mike, uh, we were talking about um, preseason awards, and Mike astutely pointed out that nobody names their kid Doke anymore. There's no more Doke. Doke Walker and Doke Campbell, and that's it. So we ended up on a, on a tangent about where what happened to all the Dokes of the world. So you never know what you're going to get when you flip on the Suns UCF. The, the main thing I'd tell you about our show is we're just a couple of fans, right? We're not, well, at least I don't consider myself a part of the media. You know, I don't go to the press conferences. We have a guy, Trace, that does all that stuff for us. He's on the live shows with us on Thursday. But for us, when, I, when we do the podcast, it's just two buddies talking about what we saw that weekend and what we expect the week coming up. You know, during the season, I'll do my weekly picks. And some seasons I'm really good at picking against the spread. Some seasons I'm terrible. So oh, really? <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> we did have a contest I won, but um, it, it's just, <laughs> it, it's this, it's a back and forth, you know, between two college buddies and, and talking about our favorite school. That, that's mainly what it is. It, it's a fan interpretation of what's going on. Not really. We're not shills. We're not getting paid by the university. They barely even acknowledge that we exist because I don't know <laughs> if they want to be attached to some of the things that we say. It's fair. But the goal, we have fun. Like, I mean, football's fun. Like we, we make fun of plays. We make fun of things that take place. Like it's fun. Like you're, you know, we do this segment where my daughter will watch me watch a game and she'll write down all the funny things I say. And then she'll come in and she'll, she'll say them out loud. It's like, Hey, dad said, what the hell's going on? Obarski. And I'm like, when did I say, I'm sure I did say that, but I don't know when I did. So we, we try to take the fun and really inject it in the show because that's why we're all doing this, right? We're having fun off this. We love our schools. We love our sports. You know, so we have some fun with it. We're not afraid to poke fun of ourselves or things that we see as well. Uh, but like Mike said, we, we call it like it is. If we play terrible, we'll be the first ones to get on here and say that we play terrible. And when we play well, you know, we're definitely going to bang the drum for that as well. So you'll get, you'll get a full mixture of everything UCF related. We're obviously going to talk a lot about UCF as we as we get closer and closer to July of 2023, and, and UCF along with Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU officially joined the Big 12 Conference. But 
you know, I think there's a perception of UCF fans by those who are less familiar with the fan base, you know, national championship that Mike's got the national champion uh, flag behind him. You know, there's, I don't want to say a misperception, but there is a perception about about UCF fans maybe being a little bit, uh, a little abrasive, a little defensive, maybe. Uh, how do you, can you really describe to me, like, what is the UCF fan base like? When, when you guys join the Big 12, other than being thrilled and excited to be there and eager for any opportunity to beat up on, on Power 5 teams and be part of a Power 5 program, but like, Outside of the game itself, tailgating before the game, hanging out afterward at the bar. Like, what should Big 12 fans expect of UCF fans? Well, there's two ways to answer that. I think there's before and there's after, right? So before we get into the Big 12, so this next year and the years preceding this, you have to understand UCF has been a program that all we've ever heard is just wait your turn. Your time is coming. Just apply to a big conference. Get to a big conference. You got to win all your games. Play tougher opponents. Do all these things. And summarily, UCF has gone out and tried to do those things they've won those games they've won all that stuff and all we've ever said is hey you know look at us look at what we've done and typically you hear no sit down you're, you're not you're not worthy of this you're not a power five program you're not alabama you're not these other schools so there is a, a very firm chip on the shoulder of ucf fans because for so long we've been you know fighting for respect we've been asking for respect and a lot of fans a lot of national media typically just give us the heisman and say yeah go away sit down and, and join a big boy conference one day right so i think that's you know that's that's got a lot of ucf fans that are very passionate and so when somebody comes at somebody on twitter and says hey ucf's not that good you're gonna get 35 people responding to you with nitro fire emojis in the background and you're gonna get people you know looking at the record book and all the all the basic stuff because we've had to sort of fight to get our way to where we are i think once we're in the big 12 and once that that starts off i think you'll see a, a program that you know we're, we're very passionate about our school we're always going to defend our school like like every other school will do um and it's it's a lot of fun the game day experience the fans are actually a lot of fun tailgate is, is a fantastic environment. I know everybody says that about their school, but we literally carved out an entire section of campus that's nothing but tailgating. They literally built it for tailgating, right? That's how big a, a, a you know a scene tailgating is. But it's a passionate fan base, but it's a fan base that, you know, there are times we hate each other, right? You will see UCF fans go at it with each other because I think there's just such a pent-up, you know, aggression around. We've been trying for so long to fight to get to this spot. And if you're a UCF fan, you know, you bleed black and gold and you defend to the, to the honor. And that's what most UCF fans do. So certainly can be abrasive at times, but I will tell you, it's all from a place of understanding that we are a school that's fighting for respect and, and does, you know, we have to do everything we can to make sure people understand that. I think you can break down the UCF fan base in two different groups. There's the older fan, actually, Adam and I kind of qualified for that. When we were in school, it was 1998, 2002, Dante Seaton, last year. And in that, it was a kind of our first transition into Division One, So from 96 to 2006, let's say, the first 10 years, we were always so close but never good enough to, to pull off that big win, right? We beat Alabama once, but we had so many close losses to SEC schools, Georgia. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. Mississippi State, Mississippi. We took Nebraska. We had the lead on when they were number one. And some, but we could never win those games. Then in 2007, the whole trajectory of the, uh, the, the program changed. We built the on-campus stadium. It changed the branding. It's kind of a, you know, a newer thing. It's cool now to go to the games. Before, we were just hanging out in the parking lots drinking. We didn't really care. It was win or lose. We booze. It didn't matter. Now, people are taking it serious. The last 10, 15 years, the UCF fan is really into the game. You know, the student section is unbelievable. And those are the guys you're going to see arguing on Twitter, the younger fan, the one that knows nothing but winning. 
and, and didn't really have to suffer through the, those tough losses that Adam and I did. But th those guys, they, they started here in 2013. We went to the Peach, uh, the Fiesta Bowl and beat Baylor. You know, they've seen us win the Peach Bowl. They, they've seen undefeated season. They know nothing but winning, a bunch of conference championships. So I think they get a little more defensive when they hear things from these other schools. Like, what are you guys talking about? We have been winning. We have been proving ourselves. But there is a, there's the older UCF fan that does know the whole history of the program and, and, and all the ups and downs it took to get here. It's been really interesting, Philip, because in, in college basketball, we all love the Cinderella. We love Cinderella. When March Madness comes around, we love that 14 seed that sneaks into the Elite Eight. Everyone covers them. You know, I think it was two, three years ago, Sister Mary Jean and Chicago Loyola was on TV more than like anybody else I had seen, right? We love the underdog. But in football, we were like, hey, look at us. We're undefeated. We're doing great. And they're like, go, go sit down. We have no time for you. So I, I think that's where a lot of UCF and you're like, well, wait a minute, like we're here, we're, we're winning, we're young, we're vibrant, we're trying to make something. And I think it's the old guard of college football saying, hey, go away, we're not ready for you. But yet in other sports, that's lauded, that's welcome. You want that Cinderella. And I think we've kind of got that chip on our shoulder around, hey, we, we've proven we can do these things. And to Mike's point, the younger fans specifically, they, they know nothing success at this point. I mean, we lost three games to Josh Heupel and it was like, how do we fire this guy fast enough, right? Because we, we didn't lose three games, that, that, that's unheard of. So I, I think you'll, you'll definitely see a passionate fan base, a fan base that cares about their sports program. And, and I think to Mike's point, they're, they're getting more and more vibrant as well. I think you'll see us travel better in the big 12. I think for a lot of the American conference cities, I don't know that we've traveled as well as we could. I think you'll see us travel better to big 12 sites. There's a lot of excitement about getting in the conference, getting to some of these stadiums that we haven't been to yet, you know, and, and meeting people and, and showing everybody what UCF is all about. You know, honestly, I think you guys are going to fit in pretty well. I mean, you're, you're entering a conference who's having to deal with national media telling everybody that they're not worth anything, that they don't matter, that the yeah. only teams that are worth a damn are, are leaving for the SEC, that you all are second rate. You're to, is, it, is it even a Power 5 conference anymore? I don't know if it should be or if it is or if they just need to be, you know, some weird amalgamation of G5, P5. We don't know what they are. So I'm like... I think the whole conference, like you guys sound like you're going to fit, especially the younger fans base, is going to fit right in with a conference of fans who are fighting with everybody on, on social media because we're tired of hearing about how we're not worth anything. You know, Iowa State's doing it, Texas Tech, Kansas State. Like it, I think you guys are going to fit in fairly well. I think all four of the schools that are incoming are going to fit in well. But I, I mean, it sounds like UCF's going to fit right in. We're all going to be like, okay, all right. Yeah. You guys aren't as bad as we thought you were, especially now that you're on our side. Yeah. It's funny. I actually saw a UCF fan um, tweet at Stuart Mandel, who seems to be like literally like sitting in the Pac-12 office, apparently just writing articles all day. Uh, and and he, he tweeted at Stuart Mandel and Mandel tweeted back at him and said, hey, I didn't say that. Another UCF fan tweeted at John Wilner, the other guy sitting literally next to, I guess, the commissioner of the Pac-12, just asking him what to write. So we're already in the mix fighting for the big. 12, even though we're not technically in there. And that's what UCF fans are. If you're on our side, if you if you are somebody that respects us and shows us the respect and, and has a, a, an admiration and there's a mutual respect there, again, UCF fans will, will die. We've done it for different programs that have sort of supported us as well too. So we're already knee deep in the Big 12 uh, mix right now, mixing it up with packed people and, and yelling at you know the national sports writers who you know last year didn't care about the big 12 imploding but this year the pac 12 imploding is the worst thing on earth so ucf fans are already there and, and i'm part of that conversation yeah the social media is what you want to win you, you hired the right team you got the right team right? <laughs> on the field football basketball maybe we're gonna win we're gonna lose but we're gonna kick your ass on twitter i can tell you that much we have <laughs> that right. many young fans yeah <laughs> i love it that's great hey 
Brett Yarmark wants to make the Big 12 hipper and younger and cooler. So that, that's exactly what we need is more uh, vocal fans on Twitter. Uh, all right, so I know you guys aren't joining until 2023, but that doesn't mean that we're not paying attention to what Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU are going to be doing, obviously, last year and then, of course, this year, their final year in their current conference or current situation. So just briefly, kind of tell me, what, what should we expect from UCF football in 2022 in their final season in the AAC? If we can stay healthy, which is a big if last year, I think we had 29 guys at some point in time out or missed time. Uh, if we can stay healthy, we, we have a lot of offensive weapons. And obviously Gus Malzahn being, you know, lauded as an offensive head coach. Uh, we have a new offensive coordinator, Chip Lindsay, who's worked well with Gus in the past. If we can stay healthy on offense, we have a lot of weapons. We have returning running back and Isaiah Bowser, uh, who is a, just a, a workload of beast. Uh, and he, he uh, you know, he had suffered injuries last year so we didn't get to see his full uh, depth i think of what he can bring uh, we have receivers on the outside two transfers one from alabama one from auburn uh, so we have speed on the outside ryan o'keefe was a, a 1200 yard uh, receiver last year it's going to be quarterback play philip so we've got two quarterbacks that were kind of in with mikey keen stepped in last year uh, played uh, played as a true freshman after injury held it together he did not do anything spectacular but he didn't really hurt ucf he held it together I hate calling people a game manager, but that's kind of where I think you put him in the box of. But then Gus, as he does, goes and finds a new shiny toy. John Rice Plumley transfers from Ole Miss. He's got a little bit more of that, you know, that running ability that you've typically seen from a Gus Malzahn quarterback. The knock on him is, can you throw the football? Is he going to be accurate? Uh, we saw him at the spring game. He looked pretty good on, on you know, on deep balls. He looked pretty good, uh, you know, in, in the passing game. So where do we go at quarterback? It's going to be really the big question offensively. Defensively, we were pretty solid last year. I would say Mike can probably agree with this. Our defense really kept us in a lot of games last year. We're returning a lot of guys in the secondary, a lot of guys up front. We'll be kind of weak at linebacker. But if we stay healthy, I think this is a team that can, that can win 10, 11, you know, maybe even run the table um, from that standpoint, that there's that much talent on UCF. Yeah, when you look at the schedule, everything kind of works out in our favor. We don't leave the state of Florida, I believe, until October 22nd or 23rd. Uh, we have the four games that we lost last year all at home this year. Cincinnati comes to Orlando, SMU, uh, Navy, and Louisville. A and UCF at home, I believe, is like 30-2 and two in the last five years at home. And those two losses came in that COVID year where the, the season, the, it was 25% capacity. There was 11,000 fans. It's not the same. When that place is rocking, it's one of the loudest places to play. Probably the best place in the American Conference. And it's very difficult to win there. So I like our chances with the schedule we have. Uh, we have a, a game at FI, FAU down here in Boca, which is going to be pretty much an eighth home game. Even the, the game in Tampa against South Florida, we turned that into our home stadium too. So the schedule works out in our favor. We have a lot of veterans coming back this year. I think we're pretty set up. We're, very, we're looking forward to this season to having, you know, at least a chance to play in the championship game. Adam, Mike, I am thrilled to have you guys in the network. I want to wrap up on this. One quick question. Should UCF start scheduling USF in non-conference on a regular basis? Are you guys happy to leave them behind? That's a tough one. It's, it's punching down at this point, right? I mean, you, you sort of feel bad for them over there in, in, you know, West Tampa, but the reality is, um, you know, we, our conferences and, and the way our schedule works, doesn't really align. We, we don't have non-conference openings. They don't have non-conference openings. It's a fun rivalry, right? It's fun to, to do that locally, but you know, at some point you, you sort of move on from your rivalry. They're, they're not a school that really supported you know, UCF in any way, shape or form. So I have a hard time saying, yeah, let's bring them along. Let's give them a game. Yeah, it's fun. But I think for UCF, we set our sights higher than that. We need to start playing the Floridas, the Miamis, the Florida States. I think if we want to continue to make traction in Florida, it's not going to be beating the lowly cows. It's going to be beating the Gators like we did in the Gasparilla Bowl. 
or getting Miami to finally schedules and play them. So it's fun to do maybe every like five years just for fun, but I'm, I'm perfectly fine dropping them off and, and leaving them on the side of the curb. Yeah. It's a fun game for me. It's the closest school we have 90 miles separates the two schools. I wouldn't mind keeping them on the schedule, but at the same time, I would like to add a Florida and Miami. I think there's room with three conference games. Uh, we're going to be in a power conference. They're going to kind of be left behind in the American. Uh, if you want to work out a two for one deal, I'm all for that. You know, that's the way we've been treated when we were in the American. So I, I think that's pretty standard, but I, I'd like to keep playing them. In UCF's history, we had rivalries with like Bethune-Cookman coming up, uh, Georgia Southern. And as the, as the program has grown, those, those rivalries just went away. We don't play them anymore. It looks like the same's going to happen with, with South Florida. I, I wouldn't mind keeping them on, but if they go away, they go away. Uh, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it either. Mike Adam, host of Sons of UCF the official UCF podcast of the 1012 network guys i am i am thrilled to have you uh, i am honored that you would uh, would allow us to to help represent you and help you try and grow uh, your brand and grow your podcast and and reach out to the rest of the the big 12 fans uh, this is this is fantastic i as i said i'm thrilled i'm excited i couldn't be happier to have you guys on board uh, and welcome and can't wait to uh, can't wait to continue to talk UCF for as long as we possibly can man yeah, we're looking forward to it. Again, if, you, if you're not already, follow us on social media, at Sons of UCF. You can find us everywhere, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff too. So looking forward to mixing it up. If you have questions on UCF, feel free to hit us in the DMs. Happy to share any more info we can about UCF and, and get everyone kind of used to it. But definitely appreciate the invite, Phil. Can't wait to, to get more uh, involved with the network. We've had a few folks come on the show already and, and, and talk a little bit of Big 12. So looking forward to the partnership. I'm excited to watch a lot more Big 12 football in this season coming up. And, and be able to root for all the Big 12 schools, especially in out-of-conference games, at least for this one year, until we develop <laughs> some new rivalries with some of you guys and, and we can see which schools we hate. But I, I'm looking forward to this one. Maybe we'll meet one of you guys up in the Cotton Bowl at the end of the year, and then we'll have a good time there and have a couple beers. Podcast Network.